This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong here with... Mary Lucas with Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you doing today? Great. The spring pollen is on my car. I am a little bit irritated. Um, <laughs> I have a white car. That means I have to start washing it. But more than anything, it means that my congestion is back. See, I'm, I'm a big procrastinator when it comes to the pollen. I'm like, eh, just got to wait till it stops accumulating because how many times am I really going to have to exactly. clean everything? So. Hope, so, hope it rains. <laughs> yes, yes. Pray for the rain. That's, yeah. um, that's, that's my go-to method. I like it. But we've got a wonderful show lined up today, and we're going to be talking to someone who I, I guess it really depends on the scenario. Either people are very happy to see or very kind of uh, worried to see. Yeah. We've got Brian Brooks here on the line, and Brian is Assistant Chief with Outreach and Public, in, and Public Information with Wake County EMS, and that is what we are going to be talking about today. EMS, something that I don't know that we've broached on the program before, but it's uh, it's something that I think we all should have a talk about beforehand. So, Brian, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Well, thank you for having me, sir. I appreciate the platform to get this important information out this morning. Yeah, I um, we talk on the show a lot about falls and, you know, a variety of other things for the aging population. And unfortunately, I had uh, the uh, job of calling you all not too long ago for a fall when my mom fell down the stairs. And um, I know you guys get called out for many reasons, but I want to touch on a, f- a few things before we dive into something that was really exciting. I came across on your website um, and just foreshadowing subscription services. Yeah, that's for real. Um, but we'll get there. Um, first, Brian, falls are a top reason I feel like p- people may call EMS. When your team goes out to a facility, which is a lot where a lot of our caregivers have loved ones, is the protocol typically to transport to the hospital in, in the case of a fall? And talk to us a little bit about what happens when you get called for a fall. So a fall in a facility versus a fall in a home are completely different in the way that we handle the situation. If the patient is within a facility, we actually have a pretty unique program called the FALSE program that our advanced practice paramedics um, oversee. And what we do is we send one of those advanced practice paramedics out with the ambulance, and that advanced practice paramedic will evaluate the patient to make sure that any injuries they sustain from the fall are not emergent. If they're deemed to not be emergent, we can leave those patients at the facility and link them up with either their primary care doctor or a doctor from a company called Eventus, which was formerly known as Doctors Making House Calls, and they will come out and evaluate them in place. And what this does is it keeps the patients out of the emergency rooms where they can pick up, you know, viruses and become sick two or three days later, as well as stressing the hospital system. So we we believe that this is the correct thing to do to keep everybody safe. And certainly if the advanced practice paramedic gets there and realizes that they need to go to the emergency room, the ambulance is there to certainly transport them um, appropriately. That's really interesting. I did not know that. And on the same token, um, you know, if you get called for what may be, you know, a mental health issue, do you have extra resources in place to handle something like that at, at the time of the call? So yeah, that advanced practice paramedic program, they kind of oversee substance abuse as well as mental health. Um, that's their specialty, and any call that initiates with any of those determinants, they're responding uh, because they have extra resources. And again, 
a lot of those patients don't need to go to the emergency room. They can do what's called an alternate destination and get them to a treatment center or a mental health um, center instead of, again, tying up the emergency rooms with a patient who the services are, are much greater than what the emergency room can provide. That's wonderful. Yes, our hospitals are pretty strapped right now, and and that's great that you guys are helping di- kind of divert them to the right location or to keep them at home. What are some of the main things that you all are looking for when considering to transport or not, whether it be a fall or mental health thing or, or just any other call? What are the main things that you look for? Before the falls, um, it's injury or potential injury because we can't always see what's going on inside the body. So those advanced practice paramedics have a check sheet that they kind of go down and they're checking boxes um, to make sure that there's nothing potentially going on that's going to harm them if we decide to leave them in the facility for the next eight hours before a doctor can get out there to see them. As far as the mental health and the substance abuse type things, um, we typically, we will transport them to a mental health facility. Um, That is up to the advanced practice paramedics to make the determination of where they're going to go. And it also a huge thing that plays into this is availability. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not a whole lot of availability for substance abuse and mental health because it's a, it's a problem that's going on. It's growing and and the healthcare system needs to adjust to it. And we're just kind of slow to adjust with the amount of patients that are, that we're seeing. Are you guys seeing, um, since the, the pandemic started and has continued, or maybe is an endemic now, have you guys seen at our local hospitals more diversion or, or any um, constraints on staffing that have caused challenges for the work that you all do? Yes. Um, certainly post-COVID, um, and since that time, once the restrictions were actually lifted, our call volume, we're, we're seeing a dramatic increase in our call volume. Mm-hmm. Um, we ran 128,000 calls last year, which is our all-time high, and we're on pace to duplicate or break that um, moving forward already. So yes, we're seeing our call volumes increasing. The hospitals are overflowing with patients, which causes a backlog of us being able to run calls because the time that we spend at the hospital with the patients, we're not able to offload the patients in a timely manner, so they're not available to answer calls. So it's a domino effect that reaches the streets um, and again, it's the system in general, it's not an EMS problem. It's not necessarily just a hospital problem. It's not a fire department problem. It's a problem with the whole healthcare system. I feel like there's no end in sight for some of this. I think we need to, you know, think about how we're doing things a little more creatively in the healthcare system and how do we keep more people at home and, and out of our emergency departments. And, um, and you guys are a big part of, of that equation. The access to health care for many is, is the issue. Um, and if you call your doctor and they tell you we can't see you for the next three weeks and you're not feeling well, your only other alternative is to go to the emergency room um, or an urgent care. But not everybody has access to an urgent care because if you don't have insurance, you can't go to an urgent care. So, again, it all rolls back to access. And for some people, the only access is the emergency department. And it's unfortunate, but that's the way that it is for a large part of our population. Brian, how can we avoid that? I mean, it's, I guess it is the reality, but is there anything that can be done to sort of shift that? I think that putting programs in place like this falls program and the alternate destination program that we use um, moving forward, you know, the, the greater minds need to come together and figure out ways to keep people out of the emergency department and 
ultimately the goal is to have everybody have insurance and access to health care. And I certainly don't have the answers to that. Um, <laughs> but there are people out there that are smart enough to figure this out. Hopefully our lawmakers are listening. I think there's a lot of advocacy work that needs to be done to address some of these issues. And, you know, our demographic is changing greatly. And as the population ages, which there is a very large aging population that's only increasing, um, I think that these challenges are going to be more and more. Um, and also at the same time, the the staffing situation and the challenges we're seeing in the healthcare system, especially, you know, at trans, I work at Transitions Life Care, that's definitely a problem that we're facing there in our hospital system the nursing crisis, you know, all of these things kind of playing in together is is really going to be difficult in, in the future. Yeah, it's moving uh, forward. Yes, I would hope, you know, fingers crossed that we can figure this out in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I, I don't think that this is sustainable the way that we're, the, the trajectory we're on now is not sustainable. No, not at all. Very well said. We're speaking with Brian Brooks. Brian is an assistant chief with community outreach and public information with Wake County EMS. And we are talking about all things EMS. And after the break, we're going to get into, and Mary hinted to this a little bit earlier, and that is a subscription service offered by Wake County EMS. You're going to want to hear this, so please don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to go online to Transitions Life Care. TransitionsLifeCare.org. There's so many resources there available for you. If you are a caregiver, it's it's really uh, something that you should check out because there's uh, so many opportunities for you to find information and support as well. TransitionsLifeCare.org. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Brian Brooks, and Brian is an assistant chief with outreach and public information with Wake County EMS and Mary, you know, uh, I think one of the things that we think of with EMS is uh, kind of maybe the fear of mm-hmm. calling for an ambulance in an emergency situation because we we often hear about the cost of mm-hmm. calling an ambulance. You know, it's funny. I not funny, but um, and I'm going to put my mom out there. She I know she listens to select shows, so maybe she won't listen to this one. <laughs> um, but when she fell down the stairs uh, a few months back, and I called EMS, her first response was, "I don't want to go. I don't want to go to the hospital. I'm not getting in that, and I just don't know how much it's going to cost." I, she just changed jobs or recently, and she hasn't been in an ambulance lately, so. Um, uh, she was very nervous about the cost, um, but I was doing some research when planning this program and ran across um, something I had never heard before that Wake EMS is doing, which is subscription services. So, Brian, talk to us a little bit about the subscription program through Wake EMS. Yes. So, we another unique program that we have here at Wake County EMS is called the, the $60 subscription program. 
Um, most people don't realize that most insurance companies will not cover 100% of your transport bill. And what happens is they deem that we will pay 50% or 75% or whatever that number is, and then they stick you with the rest of the bill. So if you had a $500 bill and they chose to pay 50% of that, they're going to stick you with the other $250. What Wake County does is they allow you to subscribe to a membership. And so for $60 a year, this membership will cover you and every permanent member of your household should you have to call an ambulance. So whatever fees are left over after we send the bill to your insurance company, the county will relieve you of those bills. Wow. That is quite the steal. When does coverage begin? Uh, Well, maybe start. How do you pay the fee? So there's two ways. The most efficient, easiest way is to go to wake.gov backslash EMS. There's a $60 subscription plan button. And if you click that, you can sign up directly online. You can also call 844-239-6690 and do it over the phone. Um, But again, the most efficient way is for you to just go ahead and do it online. That's wonderful. And after you pay the fee, when does coverage begin? And and does it start? Is it a year from the date you pay or is it the calendar year? How does that work? So the 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 plan covers you for a a calendar year from January to December 31st, January 1st through December 31st. Once you pay, it takes two to three days for them to process your payment and then your coverage will pick up from there. So there's no proration of any fees. So if you wait until May, you're still going to pay $60, but you're only going to utilize the program for half the year. Mm -hmm. So the earlier you do, the better. Um, A lot of people don't realize that this can't happen to me or I'm never going to call an ambulance. You know, I'm healthy. I'm not going to call an ambulance. Accidents happen. Um, And unfortunately, you very well may get stuck with an unexpected bill should you not have this plan. Mm-hmm. I think this is great information for our caregivers who are on the line to to hear about because, you know, there's a lot of people that utilize EMS quite often. Um, and so when you receive your insurance bill, this, then the other part of the bill that comes from Wake EMS, this would take care of that part of the bill. That is correct. It will take care of any portion that your insurance company will not cover for the transport, for your transport. Brian, are there any limitations? Like if I if I worked at the hospital, could I use this as like a, a, a very expensive form of Uber or Lyft? I mean, uh, will you cut me off at some point? How does this work? So we won't cut you off, but there are a couple of caveats. Um, it has to be an emergency call. So we don't do hospital to hospital. We have to come and pick you up from the scene of wherever your accident or sickness occurred and take you to the emergency room. But it's unlimited you can if you called us 50 times and we had to transport you 50 times that you're covered for the year wow and and actually that brings up a good point you mentioned i was on the way here and i I was passing an accident on on the highway it's not if you call from the home you can call from the scene of an accident if you got in a car accident and you're covered at the scene of the accident as well it's not just calls to the home correct that is correct anywhere it has to be a wake county ambulance to transport you so any call that initiates through the ems or I'm sorry, the 911 system, you're covered. That's amazing. And and talk to us a little bit about uh, under this permit, you said permanent residence of the household. Does that apply to, so it applies to anyone living in your house that is a relative, a friend, as long as they live there? Correct. So 
sons, daughters, um, uncles, nieces, grandmother, grandfather, whoever is a permanent resident of the house, you can register them under one plan. That is amazing. So $60 subscription service, caregivers, this is something that is great for you all to hear um, through Wake EMS. Any call in Wake EMS from 911 that is under the same household, if it's an accident, if it's a house call, is covered past the insurance under that $60 yearly fee, which is such a good service. I'm so excited that I ran across this on the website just randomly um, because I think it's such a great uh, piece of information to get out there. It's very important. And during the time of crisis, you know, we shouldn't have to make a decision. Can I afford this transport? That shouldn't be at the top, the forefront of your thought process. But unfortunately, where we are today, again, with this healthcare system, yeah. it is something this program, you know, should give you at least a little bit of assurance that you're not going to get stuck with a humongous bill after the transport. Brian, thank you so much for sharing information about this program. Before we let you go, um, you know, when it comes to EMS, this is something that uh, I think we all kind of hope to avoid. Mm-hmm. But when we do need it, like we, we want to see you as soon as possible. But in saying that, um, oftentimes maybe we don't plan ahead or, or are prepared for what to do if we do need EMS. Do you have any suggestions for or tips if you know we do need the assistance of EMS? Um, what, what should we do, you know, whether if uh, I'm a caregiver and I'm there supporting a family member, how can we best support you guys when you're dealing with an emergency situation? Well, one thing I would like to throw out there is learn CPR. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit off topic for this, but everybody needs to learn CPR. Um, as far as after you call 911, one big thing that you can do to help us is to have all medications readily available. Have a list of all their medical history, allergies, medications readily available so that when we come in, we don't have to search the house to try and figure out their medical history as well as their medications. Um, Being there and helping and, you know, listening to what we're trying to say and explain what's going on to you is kind of, I say, stay out of the way, but allow us to do our job and not try to intervene is a big thing because, you know, that's your loved one. And sometimes you're very protective of your loved one, but we're professionals. We know what we're doing and we just need to be allowed to do our job. That are, those are great tips. I remember when my mom fell on the stairs, she was in and out of consciousness and the EMS was like uh, medications. And it was kind of like, mom, um, medications. And she was kind of loopy. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. Um, and that is what, I mean, I never expected to call the ambulance on my mom. She's, she's in pretty good health. Um, but it was one of those things where I was kind of scrambling. Um, and she was at my house, not her house. So it's not like they could go look for her medications anywhere either. Um, and she's on blood pressure medications and her blood pressure was tanking. So it's like those kinds of things were really important to figure out and we couldn't figure them out. Um, so that's, um, that's really important, you know, and I, I've, um, there's all these new technology things to think about too. Like I know my watch has a fall alert, which is really interesting for caregivers to know, like you can have Apple watch fall alerts now. Um, and then there's also technology on your Apple iPhone to have medical alerts and, and put notes in, um, for anyone that finds your iPhone, if you're in a medical crisis as well. So those are some things to think about, um, for the caregivers who are listening. Yeah, that's that's wonderful advice. Brian, if folks want to find more information about Wake County EMS, what's the best way to do that? You can go to the website at wake.gov, I'm sorry, wake.gov backslash EMS, 
And if there's any questions that you can't find on there, feel free to reach out to me. And my email address is brian.brooks at wake.gov. Again, that's brian.brooks at wake.gov. That is easy enough. He is Brian Brooks, Assistant Chief with Community Outreach and Public Information with Wake County EMS. Brian, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing some very valuable information with us. You're welcome. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Brian. We hope you do the same as well. We hope you stick around because we've got more. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Brian Brooks with Wake County EMS and Mary and I thought it would be a wonderful opportunity on the tail end of that discussion to revisit a discussion we had with Mark Philbrick back in July of last year regarding falls and important information to know about falls. So please enjoy this segment. Anytime we bring on one of our favorite guests, and that's Mark Philbrick, staff and community educator at Transitions Life Care. It's a great show as well. So Mark, Thank you so much for coming back on the show, and we're going to be talking about falls today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me back. Mark, Mark, Mark. This is a timely topic. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. We think about this a lot with my family, my grandpa going onto the hospice, and we've been talking to him about medication. I did not know medication goes into falls, and um, we've, you know, we've been talking to him about how a fall can really make a huge impact on his life at this point, or at any point in your life. And, you know, two weeks ago, it was in the news. We heard surprising news that um, Ivana Trump was found dead in her New York apartment alone, and there was no signs of foul play. And um, the medical examiner came back and reported that it was as a result of her suffering injuries due to a fall down her stairs. And it's shocking to think that a fall downstairs, you know, we walk down the stairs every day, now I'm all nervous about it, but it could lead to your death. And that's, that's terribly frightening. Uh, I've heard falls, especially in the older population, it really seems to increase the risk of injury and death. How big of a problem is this really? Yeah, it's really a staggering high number of people who have these type of injuries and deaths. You know, when we were kids, we used to tease each other. When we would see somebody trip, we would joke, uh, did you have a nice trip? You know, I'll see you <laughs> next fall. And really, uh, falls are no joking matter. CDC actually reports approximately 36 million falls in the United States each year. Wow. And that figures out to about 96,000 people a day falling. Um, or every second of the day, someone is suffering from a fall. And one in four adults over 65 will report a fall this year. Uh, Even worse is that one out of three of those falls will result in an injury that either requires medical treatment 
or reduces their activity for at least a day. Um, last year, there were over 8 million fall injuries. Uh, about 22,000 people a day were injured by falls. We also know that one in five of those falls caused broken bones or head injuries. Last year, 800,000 people, nearly a million people, were hospitalized due to falls. And most of those led to either head injuries or hip fractures. And if we look at folks over 65, it's the number one cause of injury death in emergency room visits. 300,000 Americans last year were hospitalized for hip fractures, and 95% of those fractures were falls, especially falling sideways. So it's the most common cause of brain injury, too, in the United States. And it is extremely expensive. In fact, medical costs due to falls was $50 billion a year to Medicare last year. And Americans spent over $12 billion out of pocket paying for falls-related injuries. And we know that it's the leading cause of, of death among people over 65 with unintentioned injury. And it's the fastest growing segment of injuries in people 85 and older. You know, our death rate of people over 65 is 23 times higher than people under 65. Mm -hmm. And like you had mentioned with your grandfather, we know uh, working with hospice and terminally ill patients, that someone who has a chronic condition and suffers a fracture due to a fall can reduce their life expectancy in half. Mm -hmm. Once they become immobilized, they increase their risk of pneumonias, infections, and uh, rapid decline. Wow, that's really shocking. You know, in, in the hospice industry, and um, you and I have heard this term before, but it's they're considered like a tipper event, and it's really shocking how many people, going through the statistics, have fall injuries, and especially a number of people who die from complications related to falls. So, Mark, can you talk to us about some of the factors and conditions that are contributing to these situations? Yeah, there are quite a number. Uh, some of the most common conditions that we see that increase their risk of falls leading to injury would be lower body weakness, especially the legs, the ankles, and the feet. You know, as people, especially as they age, if they don't uh, stay mobile and get exercise or walk on a regular basis, they begin to lose lower body strength. Um, also common is vitamin D deficiencies. People's diets change. And by taking vitamin D supplements, that can affect um, in reducing the falls because lack of vitamin D causes neuropathy, which, you know, they don't have the feeling in their feet and lose their balance. Another common one, especially in adults, older adults, is vision problems such as cataracts or even bifocals. You know, looking down at the ground with bifocals, depending upon where you're looking, um, some objects can seem closer or farther away, so they can miss their steps that way. There's also other eye conditions like macular degeneration, where you lose the center focus of what you're looking at, and so you can trip over things that are right in front of you. And the opposite to that is with advanced dementias, we have tunnel vision. The vision becomes tighter in people with advanced Alzheimer's. They lose their peripheral vision. So they may not see things coming from either side. Uh, people who have foot pain, poor footwear, or peripheral neuropathy from diabetes or other conditions where they lose their feeling in their feet make it easier for them to trip. Um, but most of these are really combinations. People who are aging have generalized weakness, disorientation, 
um, and are high risk when they reach broken pavements or throw rugs, electric wires. Some things like that can be a big effect. The other common thing as we get older is, is drops in blood pressure. Fancy name for it is orthostatic or postural hypotension, which is basically a fancy word that when you go from lying down to standing up or seated to standing up, the blood shifts from your head, you cause dizziness, and you can faint or lose your balance. So rapidly getting up can cause um, falls. And tiredness or sleepiness, just not really paying attention. In one of the strange ones, if you've fallen before, you probably have the fear of falling again. And so we see people who become very paranoid and overly cautious in how they walk. And by shortening their gait, sometimes that can throw them off the balance. So there are many different ways that people can be affected um, in having a risk, higher risk of falls. Definitely. As you went through that checklist, I was thinking about my grandfather. Um, a lot of those things, you know, you fall in once, you're nervous, you're taking very short steps. Um, there's environmental things, you know, that darn rug under his chair that I keep complaining about needs to go. Um, mm -hmm. there, there's all sorts of things that contribute to, the, to falls. Um, Mark, we're seeing more and more drug companies advertising on television about prescriptions and medications. It seems like they give you a really short version of what the medicine does, and then they talk really quickly through all the different side effects. Are there specific medicines that folks are taking that could have side effects that contribute to an increased risk of falls? Most definitely. There are many medicines that have um, side effects that lead to dizziness, weakness, um, that can cause falls. Um, some of the most common ones that we see especially in elderly people, are those uh, for lowering high blood pressure or things that regulate your heart, try to slow your heart rate down, such as metoprolol. That's a medicine I myself take twice a day for um, high blood pressure. Um, brand names such as toprolol, Lopressor, Norvasc, Lasix, um, diuretics, anything that can lower your blood pressure um, would also increase the risk of dizziness. Um, people who are on antidepressants or mood medicines such as Prozac or Elevil, those can cause uh, the same type of side effects. Or muscle relaxants like Soma or Flexeril, uh, people who are on antipsychotics or mood stabilizing like res Respiridol or Seroquel. And of course, um, people who had injuries that are on opioids such as uh, Oxycontin, Vicodin, hydrocodone, any of those things can also cause a weakness and dizziness. Uh, and we can't forget there are a lot of over-the-counter medicines we don't think about, but um, such as Benadryl. If we are taking Benadryl for, um, you know, itchiness or sinus infection, that can cause drowsiness. And people also taking sleep aids such as Ambien. All of these have the higher risk of um, causing dizziness or weakness. And the reality is, um, especially in our aging population, we have polypharmacy, people taking multiple medicines. So most people who are taking something may have a combination of medicines that even aggravate and increase this risk more. It's 
It's something that we all need to be aware of and speak with our physicians about to make sure that we're not putting ourselves at an elevated risk for a fall. We're speaking with Mark Philbrick. He's the staff and community educator with Transitions Life Care, and we're going to continue our conversation with him right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Mark Philbrick. He is the staff and community educator at Transitions Life Care, and we're talking all about falls. And Mary, we were just discussing um, things that can put us at risk for a fall, and now we're going to get into the conversation of, okay, what, what happens after a fall? That's right. You know, that list of risks was quite long and the medications and all the things you went through, Mark. And it seems like it's not a question of if, but when and how you fall. Uh, Can you give us some tips and suggestions of what to do if we or someone at our home as a caregiver, what happens if someone takes a fall? What should you do next? Well, there are several things. And let's start by if you're at home with a loved one who falls, You know, it's extremely common for people to panic when they see somebody fall and want to run over and grab the person and try to yank them up. But it's important first not to panic yourself and to try to remain calm so you can help the person who fell remain calm. You know, taking matters into your own hands may also put a loved one at risk by uh, trying to lift them and drop them or move them if they have a fracture. So if there's any doubt, that you can help them, then you probably need to stop and call the non-emergent police number in your community, and they will have EMTs come or the fire department. You can just call the non-emergent number. If, if you check and it doesn't look like they're injured, seriously, they're not bleeding, doesn't seem like there's any broken bones, but you just can't get them up yourself or don't want to risk that, the non-emergent number, they can send somebody out, just say you need some help uh, with lifting somebody who's fallen. So staying calm, making sure your loved one is calm and having them take some slow, deep breaths. Uh, Examine for injuries, bruises, bleeding, sprains, broken bones. Uh, Part of this is not manipulating the person themselves, but asking them to see, you know, if they can move their hands, their feet, their legs, their arms, and um, ask if they're doing that, if they're experiencing any pain exactly where that pain is and how severe it is. Um, And if they do seem to have an injury, then don't move them. Call 911, uh, keep the person warm, put a blanket on them and wait till help arrives. Uh, If they aren't badly hurt and you wanna help get them up, make sure you proceed very slowly. Stop whenever you're stuck or whenever they seem to be having a problem. So if there's any hesitation, uh, reassure them that there's help on the way. 
Um, it's important you only assist in not trying to lift them up, but that they are able to lift themselves up so that um, if they're struggling to get up on their own, then, then make sure they see a doctor. Uh, and once they're back up on their feet and they look fine, you know, keep a close eye on them for 24 hours, especially if there's any risk that they had bumped their head. There could be, uh, you know, bleeding, slow bleeding in the brain. Uh, older adults also have a tendency to hide their injuries because they're embarrassed that they fell mm -hmm. and they don't want to risk their independence. So it's important to make sure that um, we're honest about that. And when you go to the doctor, make sure, um, especially if it's an emergency room, that you bring a list of all the medicines they're on um, so they can be evaluated for any of the effects that may have led to um, this person falling. Um, if you're alone, um, we do recommend for people who are high risk that they have a medic alert. Um, you've probably seen the ads. You know, we all seem to make fun of those ads. I've fallen and I can't get up. But those uh, med alert buttons can be very helpful. They wear them as a necklace or they have them for the wrist. And now some of them actually can be self-activated. They can actually sense when somebody changes position rapidly. Um, uh, other thing is to have the person keep a cell phone on their uh, person at all times so they can call 911 if they've fallen and they're alone. Um, I have two examples. One was um, uh, one of my relatives who uh, we specifically got a cell phone because they had fallen and said, you know, you need the cell phone to call 911 or call us if you fall. And they kept it on the mantle of their fireplace. <laughs> So they know where it was, but obviously they couldn't get to it when they fell. Um, another friend of mine had a medic alert bracelet, but she kept it on her bedside table because uh, she, again, didn't want to forget where she put it, mm -hmm. but she fell in the living room and had no access to it. So those are the, the things I'd recommend. Those uh, alert bracelet type of or necklaces typically start around $30 a month, mm -hmm. and certainly for a dollar a day, it's, it's worth the security of knowing your loved one can uh, get help if they need it. That's great advice. I, I want to go back to that point that you mentioned about being careful after someone falls and once they're up and saying, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. I, I think that that's a really important thing to remember of keeping an eye on them for a little bit. My grandfather fell and hit his head on the fireplace and was fine. He's fine. He's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't know. Let's not do anything. Mm -hmm. And within, you know, a couple hours, his speech started slurring and um, my grandmother realized there was a bigger problem and he had a brain aneurysm. Um, and he mm -hmm. they went in and had to cut from the front of his head all the way to the back and he was in ICU for months. Um, wow. so that, that was a, that was a fall and, um, one that he didn't take seriously at first. And, um, thankfully my grandmother was watching for a little bit to realize that it was much more serious than, than he originally. And at that point he had you know had no idea what was going on um, when it was a, an emergency. So um, really important point you mentioned. It seems yeah, physiologically with older people, um, the brain shrinks as they age. Mm -hmm. So there's a little space in the cranium that the, the, the brain literally will rattle around if they take a fall. Uh, that's particularly true with dementia patients where they have significant brain sh um, shrinkage. Mm -hmm. It's like that uh, brain bounces against the skull when they fall and can cause internal bleeding. Mm -hmm. It seems like many people suffer from falls in their homes. Are there tips or recommendations you can give us on how to reduce the risk of falls in your home? Certainly. 
six out of 10 falls happen in people's home, because obviously that's where we tend to spend most of our time, especially as we get older. Um, so there are many little things that we can do to help safe, uh, safe proof our homes. Uh, the reality is that no home is fall proof, but we can reduce the risk, or, but not totally eliminate them. Some of them are like putting handrails on both sides of the stairs to make sure that they're tightly fastened. Um, I know that in one of the homes I had in the past, we had handrails on one side of the stairs, but when the person was coming down the other side, they didn't have a handrail and they fell down. Um, and so that increased the risk. Um, if you're carrying things upstairs, make sure you carry it in one hand and hold the rail on the other. Um, even now, as I walk up and down stairs, I used to just bolt up the stairs. I, I keep my hand loosely on the rail in case I trip on something. Um, also, good lighting is really important, both the top and the bottom of the stairs, uh, outside your doors. I picked up at uh, Lowe's Home Improvement, you get them at Home Depot or whatever, just these little battery-operated lights that have a sensor on it, so as you approach the door at night, it lights up. I also have that on the inside of my front door, so if I'm walking in and the lights are off at night, it automatically triggers taking uh, turning that on. Um, making sure you keep things tidy, that don't have books and clothes around, um, no throw rugs, and I know that's a big thing, especially in many houses I go into. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, they have all these knitted rugs and so on. Um, grab bars near a toilet that could be installed in night lights, something very simple. I actually have night lights in my bathroom. Um, you can pick them up at the dollar store that are activated. If the, the sun goes down, they automatically come on. They use very little energy. And even when I travel, I pop one in my travel bag um, and I put it in the bathroom in the motel room. So if I'm getting up at night, um, also a flashlight next to your bedside table um, in case the power goes off at night, you want to have that. And also keeping the cell phone next to the bed at night, mm -hmm. um, electric cords, those types of things. Also important, sofas and chairs at the right height to get in and out of them easily um, so that the person is, is not having to. You see sometimes uh, older folks have to rock back and forth and catapult themselves out of the chair. It means it's time to get a higher chair. Mm -hmm. um, and not standing on tables or chairs to try to reach things, but have a proper uh, step stool. And probably one that you encounter on a regular basis is Cats and dogs that trip over, you know, the little ones especially get under your feet, making sure as you walk through your house that the dog or the cat isn't uh, a trip hazard. And uh, also recommend having um, those non-emergent phone numbers uh, on the refrigerator so if someone's there and uh, someone falls in the home, they can call the non-emergent number to help some help come and determine whether they need further attention. Great, great suggestions. We have like one minute left, Mark. Can you talk to us through some resources that you suggest um, f about falls? Yes. Um, great websites. Go to the National Falls Pre Prevention Resource Center. Um, the National Institute on Aging has a home safety checklist, especially for Alzheimer's patients. And there is, uh, for modifying your home, www homemods.org, homemods.org, and the cdc.gov has also great information on falls prevention. Excellent. Those are great resources. Thanks, as always, 
to Mark Philbrick, staff and community educator at Transitions Life Care. Mark, we always appreciate you coming on the show. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Aging Matters. Don't forget, you can listen to this, share it, or revisit past episodes online at WPTF.com. Just click on the podcast button at the top of the page, and there you can search for Aging Matters, and you can find the full archive of shows, including this one, to go back and listen to or to share as a resource for anyone who you think may find this information helpful. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you will do it again next weekend. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.